There's not one guy, one person in the history of this program that's bigger than the program. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Oh, what's up? Welcome into episode number 109 of the Program Guys podcast. My name is Mason Prince. Joining with you as always by Ryan Tyson, Mark Hall, Matt Gann. No Patrick Kurtzberger this week. Today is Tuesday, February 13th. Be sure to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. Trying to hit 2,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. Helps us out more than you know when you click that subscribe button. Costs you zero dollars, folks. Makes a great Valentine's Day gift. Let me tell you. Tell your girlfriend. Tell your tell your husband. Tell your wife. Tell your boyfriend. Hey, honey, guess what I got you? I got you a free subscription to the Program Guys podcast. All you got to do is click a button. They'll love you forever. Also, you can follow us on all of our social media at Program Guys with a Z. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of that good stuff. Gentlemen, how are we living today? We're doing hey, great. I just want to want to emphasize one of those points, especially if you're a dude. The demographics say we need you to tell your girlfriends about yes. our podcast. Yes, yeah. tell your girlfriends. Yeah. A lot of dudes on the on the listeners. Yeah, you, usually if we start recording early enough, Matt Gann's changing. So, That's like, true. ladies, here you go. That's true. You know, you you can get a little magic magic mat is what we call them. That's me. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's me, Ryan. How you doing? <laughs> Hey, I'm good, baby. I'm about to leave on vacation. So that's sick, man. I'm excited. Yeah, flex on Vaca- some more, dude. Flex I am. You know, I'm just casually, casually flexing on you again. As where always. are you heading? Where are you heading? Uh, we don't need to. We don't need to say that to the <laughs> we, public. We don't need, we don't people might. That. People might show up. You know, we're so famous. That's true. You know, but we <laughs> we hope you have fun on your vacation. Everyone recover from the Super Bowl. Also, I want to start. Let's start the show with this. How do we feel about the Monday? after the super bowl being a holiday no no okay no fair enough why why not why what kind of like anti-worker bullshit is that right (laughs) yeah corporate what kind of corporate monkey are you dude come on man. what is that working for the man here's the market our labor yeah here's (laughs) here's all the here's ryan getting Getting danced I, around in corporate America. Welcome. Oh, <laughs> all right. No, no I just like your case, give your case why we don't deserve it. Uh, I mean, so like in my opinion, I, I look. I know it's like the biggest sporting event of the year, but I think there's other things that could be considered holidays that are like not holidays that are more important or more. Um, maybe le- maybe not more well known, but I I don't think because you participate in watching a sporting event on a Sunday night that you shouldn't be able to get your ass out of bed in the morning and go to work. That's my opinion. Ryan's like, that's another day of taxable income, baby. Yeah, we gotta ba- get to work. Yes, it you is. Know what I mean? <laughs> there it is. I don't really? get guys. I what's coming out of this is I have to use PTO for holidays at my job. So like, I don't. That, get that, their holiday. That'll, <laughs> that'll do it. I mean, no. I I like obviously I like the idea because it's just a it'd be a fun goofy American thing that like other countries would bitch about and be upset that we do, and then we could just be like, you don't get it. How many Super Bowls have you won? And they'd be like, bloody none, because we just are trying to win the World Cup in soccer. Like I don't care. Oh, in football, I don't care. I mean, basically, whoever wins the Super Bowl does kind of get a day off because who's expecting productivity like in spoiler alert, Kansas City today, you know, Kansas City closes, closes like their schools. 
yeah on the day so, of the I mean, parade like, which is kind it of cool. already does happen for like the winner like it doesn't need to happen for the people that their team isn't even in it you know counter counter <laughs> let's say every fan if given a day off the next day would choose to do a little bit more with that sunday right suddenly super bowl sunday becomes a national holiday and you're encouraged to go out before the big game and there are shopping incentives on the weekends it there might become know. a tax-free weekend you mm. build this whole thing up and then you're also boosting your your local service industry because everyone's going to need to get those orders in right Mark just wants gambling legalized orders, in Texas. gigantic that's, that's wing all. orders i'm not even getting to that that's a completely separate thing i didn't talk about that i just think there's a lot of meat on this bone and uh, as someone who did not want to work today it's something worth exploring i definitely didn't want to work today either matt gan you your thoughts counter to that does anybody want to work any day <laughs> No, no, not really. But, there you uh, go. No, go ahead. Except for you, Ryan, who said no. Let's let's not get more. Of a I'd game. just be bored as hell if I wasn't working. I don't know what I would do. Matt, tell T- me, T- T- Tyson. Let's face it. If it was any one of our teams playing the Super Bowl, none of us would want to be on that Monday. If it was the Dolphins, the Falcons, I, I the agree Vikings. with you. I agree with you. But my well, team wasn't is... there, and it never has been in my lifetime. So. so that's that's the point there. Okay, so <laughs> you'll never get a day off. So here's the thing. <laughs> The NFL could easily incorporate two bye weeks, give another day to rest, and then make the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend. I'm sure they have thought about that. I don't know why they would they would be against it, but additional bye week productivity at the NFL would be better. I mean, the players always complain about injuries and not enough recovery time, especially playing Thursday night games. I mean, add another week of uh, of buys and push it to President's Day weekend. Problem solved. Matt Gann might have just solved. All the issues right there. We he might have solved it. So y'all remember when we were out that one time and we ran into Roger Goodell and he gave us his card and said, Yeah, I do. Give yeah. Give him a call if if yeah. we mm-hmm. come up with anything to improve the NFL. I think it's time to call that in. Raj yeah. baby. Raj baby. Right. Let's we, let's let's talk. Commish Gandell. Come on down. That's right. <laughs> Commish Gandell. Commish Gandell on the case. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Um, well, we're already on the Super Bowl. Let's go ahead and just rehash it a, a little bit since it, it is so fresh in everybody's mind your your thoughts on the super bowl i mean how many of us picked kansas city i had kansas all city all we all did kansas city. we <laughs> all did okay did patrick pick san francisco or did he stay kansas city he did that weird thing that he does, he does where, where he, he picks both like, yeah. yeah he kind of picked both he was like <laughs> well san francisco like on paper is like the better team and yeah. like you know like they're favored and stuff like that and then he was like at the very end he was like but i don't think they should be and like that's where he stopped okay. i was like what <laughs> love that okay perfect i gotta stop giving scores if he's not even gonna give scores i don't do think he now. gave any scores i don't think so no. but we all picked uh we all picked Kansas City to win. Kansas City wins. If you didn't watch, won in overtime. Uh, I think where I want to start is Kyle Shanahan has an issue. And that dude has got to figure it out. Because that is four double-digit leads, either in the conference championship or the Super Bowl, that he has had a hand in blowing. And 
It's nuts. Like he stopped running the ball in the third quarter in this game. Don't know why he did that. And that's, that's his MO. That's what he always does. He he did it in the 28 to three loss. Sorry, Mark, but I mean, but I mean, it's, it's part of the, it's part of the thing. It's part of the, the, it is the lore of Kyle Shanahan. I just don't understand. And Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Like we said, like we talked about it in the last pod, like Patrick Mahomes is the best player. And at some point he was going to take over and Kyle Shanahan, either he didn't know the overtime rules. He didn't. There's no, there's no excuse regardless, like actively choosing to let Patrick Mahomes have the ball last is all time brainworms, all time brainworms. No idea why you do that. The argument there's, I've seen two pieces of the argument of him basically what we're saying is like when the overtime 49ers won the coin toss they elected to receive initially which seems weird when in these overtime rules both teams get at least one shot yeah the argument that i've seen is a the the niners wanted to give their defense a break because they had just been on the field against the kc offense right at the end of the game the second piece was if you get elect first that means if you go into a sudden death situation, um, you're the first one with the ball. So say, for example, you have a field goal. If Casey would have kicked a field goal instead of um, gotten a touchdown, then uh, Niners go down, kick a field goal, they win the game. So like that's the argument I've seen. I still don't know why you would ever let Patrick Mahomes have the ball last. No, I just no. don't. I don't know. And especially if you're not going to if you're going to kick a field goal when you're within 10 yards of the end zone. I, I don't know why you do it. I don't know why you do that. So, um, yeah, there was some questionable stuff happening there at the end. That's Matt, the one to me, Mark, that's the decision to me that just doesn't doesn't really compute if you do know the rules. Right. And and we've since gotten some conflicting things from Shanahan, who says he knew the rules and every offensive player that's talked about it, who said they didn't know the rules. And that's not good. Like you're prepared in all these different ways to be in a tie ball game at the end of regulation against maybe the greatest of all time. And you're not prepared for that situation at all. You, you did all of this for two weeks and you didn't care to see what it would look like when you got to overtime or game theory this out a little bit. No. So the last decision is fourth and four on the Kansas City nine and they kick a field goal. Now, if there's an endless game ahead of you, I can understand kicking that field goal. You got one shot, one opportunity, sees everything you ever wanted in one moment. You've got to capture it, and they let it slip. And uh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes' arms weren't heavy. He got him down the field and uh, scored the touchdown that we knew he was going to score. You just know he's going to go down there and score. And then the Chiefs even say, hey, if they score a touchdown, we knew we were going for two. Oh, yeah. We knew immediately because they, they knew the rules. They practiced yeah. it. Ultimately, in a game where we saw maybe the worst of Mahomes in this kind of, of environment, it was the coaching differences between Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan that 
prove out the decision of the Super Bowl, like prove out the outcome of the Super Bowl. And overtime is just a microcosm of that. Matt? Yeah, it's crazy to think that this game was 10-3 to at halftime. Yeah. And everyone thought this was going to be a high-scoring game, even though it did get close to the over, which is like 46, 47 points. But the way the defenses came out, I think that's what I was most impressed about, especially since San Francisco – really giving up a ton of points and a ton of yards in their first two games to my Green Bay Packers, as well as the Detroit game, who looked like they couldn't stop Jared Goff and company the entirety of the game. But Kansas City almost gave this game away. I mean, multiple turnovers, especially in the the, uh, the 20 – Red zone. uh, Red zone, sorry. Appreciate it, Mark. Patrick Mahomes throwing a, a pick that could have led in his own territory to more points for San Francisco as well. But it really came down to Jake Moody getting a blocked extra point that allowed Kansas City to drive the field to tie the game to even get to overtime. If Jake Moody makes that extra point, they might not even get to this point. San Francisco might have just been the Super Bowl contender. So it's very impressive the defenses, obviously, in the first half of the game, really came and swamped both offenses. And then Brock Purdy just looked like Brock Purdy. He looked like a last-round pick of that draft class. I mean, a lot of overthrows, a lot of throws short, and they were getting a lot of pressure after him. But it's inevitable. This is what Patrick Holmes does, giving the ball last. Everyone knew in that stadium that when he got the ball, that he was going to go down and win. That's exactly what, what they did, and the dynasty continues. What's wild to me, not even wild, it's it's kind of what we all expected. The Kansas – there was – members of the Kansas City defense post game saying we wanted to make Brock Purdy throw and like to hear an NFL team like say that out loud just like is nuts and I mean if they said that about my quarterback I'd be like damn that hurts but like it's true like it's what we all kind of thought right and I think there was a time in the game where I was like has Brock Purdy thrown a ball more than 10 yards downfield because there was a lot of Christian McCaffrey dump offs a lot of Debo dump offs all of that stuff, it felt very vanilla, but it worked. Like, credit to San Francisco, they moved the ball in that first half pretty effectively. That fumble by Christian McCaffrey in the red zone turns out to be, like, a big miss, I think. Um, Or maybe he was at the 20. I think he was at the 25, maybe not in the red zone yet um, when Christian McCaffrey fumbled but at the beginning of the game. But I, the last point I want to make is this. When the Chiefs needed a play the most, who do they turn to? Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. They put the ball in those guys' hands and said, go win the game. There were multiple instances that I can think of on that final drive. Fourth and one, you call San Francisco calls a timeout. You go back out there, you're in overtime. You got to get it or the game's over. What do you do? You don't call like a little drop back. You give Patrick Mahomes the ball, you roll him out right, and you basically give him a run pass option. Brilliant play calling. No one even within 15 yards of Patrick Mahomes because they're all terrified of letting someone else catch the ball. It's brilliant. Then you're third and seven. You need a first down. You're not in field goal range. What do you do? Little drag route to Travis Kelsey being covered by a backup linebacker. Can't cover him. He's out the gate for 30 yards. And now you're, now you're in business. Then you go down to the goal line. What do you do? You need a touchdown to win the game. Game on the line. Patrick Mahomes gets the ball, rolls right, put the ball in his hands, let him make the right decision, and Cole Hardman wide open touchdown. 
like that's that, really that's, cool, that's, that's what really you do. Cool clip of that play too, where Travis Kelsey is the reason that it scores. Yeah. He is the decoy on the play. Traverius Ward runs with him, and you can watch him go from running his route to realizing he's got that guy on his hip to watching the screen because he knows it's going to work. There's only one guy that can cover both Kelsey and uh, um, Harden, Harden who makes the play. And, uh, the you know, it's, it's the best of all time at possibly the best of all time at two positions playing for maybe – the best offensive coach yeah. we've ever had. And like, that's a tough combo, man. Yeah, and dude. Once It's crazy how once Andy Reid got Patrick Mahomes, he he got time management right. Wild how that stuff works. <laughs> True. Really True. crazy how that stuff works. Right, no, that's fine. Mason, you brought up a subtle point, but their backup linebacker, the guy that was starting for San Francisco, uh, Greenlaw Greg and Fred mm-hmm. Warner, mm-hmm. I think that was really a big turning point that probably led to Travis Kelsey going up the middle and some of those routes going across because Greenlaw and Fred Warner were absolutely locked oh, they had him, down. Yeah, they had him those, locked those, down. He had one, those he had Achilles, one catch. man. Yeah, but Travis, then obviously like, had his injury, and I think it changed the entire ball yeah, game. Like you said, ball. Matt, in the, fir- in the first half, Travis Kelsey, one catch for one yard. You're 100% right. Those linebackers had him locked down. And then he goes out, and I don't know. I don't remember what Travis finished with, but, like, he was he was up there. He had over – Nine I know, for 93, I think. Yeah, nine dude. for 93, yep. Like, dude, that's crazy. It's just well, nuts. And, and to Mason's other point, uh, Patrick Holmes leads the Chiefs in rushing as well. Nine carries for 66 yards. Yep. Isaiah Pacheco largely out of the game, it felt like, until – sort of the end of the game when they yeah. really used him to salt the game away. Yeah. But yeah, dynasty. I, the only thing I want to say is I want to zag a little bit with what Gan said about Purdy. I thought Purdy was actually pretty good last night. Um he was he did everything that that team needed him to do to win that game. I I truly believe that. I saw a a tweet I think that was like Every time Purdy came off the field, the Niners were basically winning the game. And then Mahomes, you get the ball in Mahomes' hands, and he goes down the field, and he does things. And I think that the muffed punt that the Niners had, I think the um, missed extra point to Gans, um, uh, Gans' yeah. point earlier, I that dude, I think, had made 87 out of 87 extra points all year and missed like his first one in the biggest game um like that stuff is is the reason that this team lost this game and then add on to that and over time the coaching decisions um you know i think that Purdy wasn't the reason that they lost he's no patrick mahomes that's pretty easy to see um but i think he's still a pretty talented quarterback and i think this this niners team will be back if i'm a niners fan i'm freaking sick today yeah I'm ill. I I'm very ill. Like that's not fun. We need to get with some sort of statistician and build a metric that's just like, hey, weird shit happened. And uh-huh. uh, it would encompass like the Chiefs three fumbles, but only lose one, right? Yeah. Like weird shit happens. Uh it only affects you one time, but it was weird twice and you know, you could you could put all sorts of stuff in there. Actual interceptions, almost interceptions, sacks where the quarterback's head hits and he doesn't go out. But we all know what's up um, because last night had a lot of that. We had the blocked extra point. 
We had weird decision-making on fourth downs here and there. We had so much Brock Purdy throwing the football. 38 pass attempts. That's a lot. a lot. It's a lot. Christian McCaffrey finishes with 80 yards rushing, well under his 92 and a half total. And um, it felt like he was running so good at the beginning well, of the game. Especially and, at the end, too. In overtime, he was running really well. It's part of the Shanahan thing, man. Yeah. He just... He can't look up at the clock and think, okay, time to put this one away. He doesn't know how to get his foot off the gas a little bit. There were three straight drives where they went pass, pass, punt, pass, pass, punt, pass, pass. Uh, Sorry, pass, 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 punt, pass, 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 punt, pass, 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 punt. How do you do that when you have the best running back in football? Offensive player of the year. Yeah. Just crazy. It's nuts to me. Do you guys think Shanahan might be racist? Jesus Christ. We need to have a dialogue. (laughs) We need to have a dialogue. What, Matt? Just a question for the the two teams that are a little bit questionable in quarterback going into the season. A hypothetical for you, Mark or Tyson. Would Uh you want Brock Purdy to be your starting quarterback? No. heading, Heading into next season. No, but I'm also, we're not running Shanahan's offense. I agree. I don't think Brock Purdy had a horrible. We game also last don't have time, Christian. McCaffrey. I don't think he, I don't think he fits into any other system unless he has a Brandon yeah. IU. A I agree with you. I agree with you. So I was but just no, curious if yeah. I think, thought he was good enough to play for the Vikings. Like I think both was, things. If Mark would feel comfortable, would I would I take him Don over boys. Josh Dobbs? Yes. So like <laughs> we're talking like bare minimum here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I actually think I actually think there's a degree to which. Like, yeah, Brock Purdy could start for a handful of teams. It's not just this one, but this one works for him because all he really does is what Shanahan wants him to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the reason it works. Uh, he would ab- absolutely start over all the guys that the Falcons have on the roster right now, but I would not consider quarterback positions solved by yeah. adding Brock Purdy, especially yeah. when you consider the contract. His contract comes to an end after next season. And if you're Brock Purdy, you've been getting paid like the last pick in the draft for four years at that point. It is time to cash in. So what does that look like? Quarterback market money is like $50 million. Ain't no way you can afford to do that and keep this core together. Mm -hmm. So next year is going to be an interesting, maybe last chance for this version of the 49ers to really put it all together. Devastating loss devastating loss especially because this was supposed to be kansas city's down year it's so it's so dumb Mm -hmm. it's just so dumb it's It's because because you can't you can't give patrick mahomes life they're gonna restructure that mahomes contract it's gonna be less of a cap hit they're gonna bring in more dude they're just gonna kick the can down the road and wait for the cap to increase and that's fine there's no shame in that game that's the game that's what you do yeah i I get it yeah, but like, yeah, dude. Anyone who thinks the Chiefs are going anywhere, going did anywhere. the Patriots go anywhere with Brady? No, dude. They figure out ways to make it work, and it's gonna work because he's there. That's just the way it works. Now, if Andy Reid retires at some point, I'd be really interested to see what happens with that scenario. That's interesting to me, but we're not there yet. I don't think Andy Reid's retiring. We know Travis Kelsey's not retiring. He said it last night, so. They're they're those three are there, so it's it's curious how how long they can get this get this thing going. 
because he's Patrick Mahomes is 28. Oh, he's got stupid. Yeah. Holy crap. (laughs) If he wants it, he's got 12 more. Yes. Years. A hundred percent because yeah, he's mobile, but he doesn't run as much as like you would think he does. Well, like, yeah, he, he led the team in rushing last night, but like, yeah, he doesn't get hit because his offensive line's amazing. And because he can squirm out of things. So. He's not athletic, but he's got mm-hmm. that like wiggle, 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 wiggle. Yeah, all the to wiggle. his running that mm-hmm. keeps him from ever getting hit, and he slides really well. He's got a he's got a great sense for it. He's not gonna get just rocked the way some of other you know. Watch a Jaden Daniels highlight tape. You know mm-hmm. it, there there are highlight tapes of just his being hit. Patrick Mahomes never puts himself in danger like that. He'll play for fifteen years if he wants. This is his world, and all of our football teams are just living in it. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I saw a, I saw like a little tweet from like a journalist who was covering the Super Bowl last night, and he was like, "No big deal if you're an AFC team that wants to go to the Super Bowl. All you got to do is go through Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, uh, Josh Allen and the Bills, and MVP Lamar Jackson. No big deal." And it's and that made me not feel very good. Cause like, yeah, that's that's a gauntlet, dude. Cause and you're Patrick guaranteed going to have to play two of those teams. And Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs went through them away through yes. their entire playoff. It's yes. unbelievable that this was supposed to be a down year for them, and it's crazy. They took one of the hardest playoff schedules you can have and won the Super Bowl. It's so that's stupid. <laughs> they went through like all the competitors at quarterback, except I for, know, like, I know, Burrow and yeah. You yeah. know, like they yeah. they just and, run roughshod through Tua, through Josh yeah. Allen, through Lamar Jackson. Joe Burrow didn't even get there because he's hurt. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. prayers yeah. up to to my guy Joey B. And Justin Herbert didn't get there because he's just not good enough to take his team there. Like Mahomes is that much better than all these other dudes. He just runs through them. It's crazy. Like it's how just... does how does anyone else stand a chance? It's like it's it's. That's what I took away when they I'm not even talking about the Packers for nice, now. Um that's what I took away when they won this game last night. I was like this is a quote unquote down year for the Chiefs and I'm we're not like they they are going to be heavy favorites to repeat again next year probably and be the first team who wins the Super Bowl 3 times in a row. Like I and maybe maybe the better betters are out there. Mark would know better than I am. But that would be like my instinct is that it is going to be on them. They and did open I, the favorites, yeah. Oh, they, they did? did. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. surprised by that because like how do you how do you bet against this team? Like they looked like a different team throughout the first twelve games of this year, and then they just like kicked something in the gear during the playoffs and became the team that everyone knows they could be. I mean, again, if you if you if you give me like Chiefs or the field next year, obviously you take the field just because of the odds, right? Like your your odds are better. Well, your even with, odds, sure, yeah, yeah, it, for yeah. even odds, yes. So like I I'd, I'd take the I take the field, but yeah, like to to all the points that Ryan made, this was supposed to be their down year, and by all indications and statistically, it was it was their down year, and they still did it. So like it's it's very much Patriots Belichick vibes and Tom Brady vibes. Very, very much of those vibes. Cause even when they're not 
as good as they should be, they're still them. The thing to look out for is going to be Travis Kelsey's ability to maintain for mm-hmm. an entire season and for entire games during an entire season, because we saw it throughout this year and throughout the playoffs, just an inability to be that guy the entire time. Like he'll have a drive where he and Mahomes are just on point, And then he'll have another drive where they're just on point. And then he's just sort of floating out there for a couple drives. And some of that last night is absolutely what you guys talked about, where uh, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw were able to contain him a little bit better in the first half. But he'll be another year older this time next year. And that's the person who Mahomes predicates the offense on. Hey, where's Travis whenever I need all of this stuff going? If anything goes up with him, if he, you know, just loses a step physically, that would be where I think the the only crack in the foundation here. They're so good. Yeah. Let us know down below in the comments what you thought of the Super Bowl, uh, your your thoughts on Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes, all of that stuff. We love reading every single one of your comments. All right, uh, Matt, let's go ahead and circle the wagons first. You want to do that? Let's go ahead and get there. Can yeah, we, we do can that, get Matt? there. Absolutely. Okay. Love that. Big opening weekend. I'll go ahead and jump into probably the biggest program that's trying to defend their back-to-back titles. That's OU Softball and Patty Gasso going for their third straight. Opening in Mexico, playing Utah Valley, beat them 13-0, which was expected. I believe they had a grand slam in that game. Correct me if I'm wrong. If anyone yeah, by a freshman. They had that. Yep. So good start for them. Already getting the bats hot. Played number nine Duke, beat them 3-0. This was really a uh, a pitching duel between a couple of different players from OU that stepped in to really take down those Duke batters. Then they played number seven, Washington. Now, this was a game that really battle-tested these girls early. They were actually down four to two going in the last couple innings, got the last couple runs to end up tying it. Going into extra innings, Riley Boone hit off a uh, – I think she got a double RBI to win the game in the eighth inning. But those are huge games to play. I mean, two top 10 teams to face them early on, especially when you don't know. Again, you do have a lot of returning players like Tiara, Kenzie Hansen, some of the pitchers. But a lot of new faces that have to fill in a lot of voids for this team. And they still continue to find ways to win. And it was really impressive in that Washington game, especially being down late in the game to continue to rally and fight and eventually winning and extra innings. This is what the team did last year as well when they had a couple of these uh, getting to the the very end, just continuing to figure ways out to win. Then they follow up that win with ending with beating Long Beach, uh, Long Beach 11 to three. So overall, a very good start for OU softball. Very impressed by the pitchers because this is a different pitching rotation, especially with the OSU transfer, Kelly Maxwell, at one point, I believe it was the Duke game. She retired 11 straight, you know, not giving up any runs in that game before another uh, girl came in to close. And then uh, Carly Keeney during the Washington game at one point had 13 straight as well. So really good pitching throughout the entire weekend, especially some of the transfers from uh, Peyton Monticelli 
and uh, there was one other girl. But the pitching so far has been really good to see. And that's what you need to make a deep run into the softball World Series is you need good pitching. And I don't think uh, – I didn't see too much Nicole May. I don't know if she's injured or just didn't see too much. But the pitching looks really good, and the bats will get there uh, as well. So good start to OU softball. They will play this upcoming weekend UCA, McNeese State, Lamar. Uh, and then they play McNeese State again and UCA. UCA again to wind, uh, finish out the weekend, and they're going to play in the old famous Lake Charles, Louisiana. Oh, so not sure if anybody's been there recently, but uh, boots <laughs> on the ground. Hello, <laughs> we know the some people know that area quite well, have frequented perhaps some so, might say. So, OU softball, hopefully, they get just as lucky as some of our boys did not well, too long ago. So, we'll have to see. And keep track. Heading into the other side of things, OU men's baseball, I have to hit it on because Mark's wearing an OU baseball jersey currently. They start their season this Friday, and they play a little bit of a round-robin tournament. They're going to open up with Oregon. So this is all in Arlington, Texas at Globe Vibe Field. They're going to play Oregon, Tennessee, Nebraska, and uh, Dallas Baptist. So... Pretty good games to see how this OU men's team and their coaching staff as they get prepared for the last year of Big 12 play as they enter SEC, which there are a lot of good SEC teams. So this coaching staff, Skip Johnson, is going to have to figure out this year, but heading into a gauntlet, the SEC next year. So good luck to OU's men's baseball as they start their season. OU's men's basketball having a nice little rebound in Big 12 play. Currently 18 and six, six and five overall conference play. They were four and five just over a little bit a week ago, but got two big wins over number 19 BYU and beating Oklahoma State 62 60 or 66 62 at home. This is what the team needs to continue to do, but they do have the hardest remaining schedule in the Big 12. They play uh, Ryan Sickenbear this week, who's number 12 currently. I will be at they, that game. Everyone pray for me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> who will you be? Who will you be rooting for? I don't know. I'm torn. No, I'll be the dude in red. But apparently, they like. I don't know. Meg was telling me something that like they don't allow like certain seats to be filled by like away team member. I don't know. Some weird stuff going on down oh, in Waco. <laughs> so, wow. I'll admit they got that new stadium, and there's like rules around it now. So, so. what we need to do is sneak a flag in with you. That's that's what we, what need, we to need to do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. And then I'll get kicked I, you out. Know, they usually, I, I've heard they encourage you to fight back against authority figures in Waco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's something yeah, me too. historically me that, too. Yeah. I've heard that, that they're really, you know, I think they would understand. I've yeah. heard that. I think it. I need to do it for the history, you know. Right. Yep. So come to, we just have to know, will Bill Gates be in attendance for that I game? Don't, probably not. I, I yeah. would assume no, but... I think I think Kansas Probably has better things. I think to they do. play Kansas this Saturday, like in Waco. So I think like or wait, did they just oh, play? Oh, you plays Kansas. This That's who I'm thinking game. of. Well, yeah. Kansas will go to Waco at some point, and then Bill Gates will show up for that one. Bill so Gates might be on his uh, beach getaway or something. When hey, when that game is played, could you find out if if our adrenochrome harvesting theory is correct yeah if that's I'll, where I'll, the base is outside of waco I'll remember you know. how you thought it was bill gates and drayton mclean the yeah. funder of the mm-hmm. stadium that were in mm-hmm. together allegedly 
Uh, Ryan Ryan allegedly said the gains were in it as well. Chip and Joanna had something to do with it. Uh, so you that, know, if something's happening in Waco, you, you know think they don't. Chip and Joanna are involved. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. All right, go, That's Matt. Get us say. out. Matt, get yeah, us out of here. Before we put on some more tinfoil hats, <laughs> uh, let's move on here. But OU does have a stretch of just back We did the whole Super Bowl without the words Taylor Swift. Dude, I'm really proud, proud of us. us. I'm proud let's of keep us. going. Yeah. Sorry again. Yeah, let's, let's not turn back. But they will play number six, the Jayhawks, who they lost to just a few weeks ago. So hopefully they get bounce back win. But they currently are on the bubble watch of potentially being the last one in or last one out. So these next couple weeks, stretch of games against these quality top big, you know, top big 12 opponents, you know, they consider these quad ones. These victories could be huge in determining if OU makes the big they're, tourney. Wait, they're on the, the bubble? They're, mm-hmm. They just were ranked 25 today. That's on the bubble. There's 64 yeah, teams based, in the tournament. Based on their based on their quad wins, it's uh, that's if weird. You check the quad wins, yeah, that's, it's that's not super that great. weird. Zoe doesn't have very many good quad one wins. Yeah, look at the quad. Yeah, look at the quads. You know what upsets me? And I know I'm just like old guy yelling at the moon with this, but did we talk about quad wins? five years ago, no. 10 years ago. I don't remember the phrase, and now it is the phrase du jour. Matt, explain. Yeah, so there's like a couple different quads <laughs> that the Brackentology uses. Quad Bra- one. Like Brackentology? Any... What the? F- <laughs> do it, do it, Matt. You're bringing <laughs> politics into my <laughs> basketball, Matt Gann. Yeah, the different quads are the different quality of wins that the March Madness Tournament aficionados look at to determine if you are one of the 64 teams that should make it. So quad one is like, I think, any top 15 victories. Quad two is something different. I would have to look up the exact definitions, but quad one's the best, quad two, and then quad three. So but those victories in those quads determine you know, if you're going to make the big tourney, or at least that's how they compare, compare resumes. Yeah, compare resumes. To all the other college basketball schools across the uh, across the nation and across all the different um, conferences. I just you hope know, these quads aren't gerrymandered or anything. That's just all I hope, you know. I, uh, uh, <laughs> I got Mark there. That was good. I'm glad. All right. Uh, My Look, the analytics to all this stuff is cool, but I do sort of miss when we went off vibes more with college football. I love vibes. Or not college football, it's college sports, right? It's just a little easier, I think. Quad wins. I agree with you, but let's talk about a team that's going to make the Big 12 or the Big Dance. By the way, they're playing OU Women's Basketball, currently 17 mm. and 6. They continue to roll in conference play. I they love you, Jenny. Eleven and one. This team is steamrolling their way through. Now, not as tough as a conference as OU and basketball is currently playing, but they're taking care of business. Beat TCU seventy-two fifty-five, and then beat Iowa State eighty-six seventy-two. Now they do have two upcoming games that do matter. They will also play Sukum T's twenty-one ranked Baylor tomorrow, I believe, and then number fourteen West Virginia this week. So hopefully they can get a couple more victories under their resume belt as Jenny B continues to roll through Big 12 play. Two more things to update here. Men's gym currently 6-1. and one. They beat California on the weekend. They'll compete against Simpson College. And women's gym continues to also their 
utter dominance. Uh, they beat BYU, Utah State, and Texas women's this weekend with a score of 180 or 198.45, which, again, is just a ridiculous score. And they will compete against Arkansas, West, West Washington, and California this weekend. So a lot of the programs already in play. Uh, I know men's and women's tennis are also got a few games this weekend as well. And obviously OU baseball will start. So the crux of the spring sports has gotten on the way and a lot of programs trending upward in the later part of their seasons. That is a Love circle that. of games. Thank you, Matt. Very extensive. Uh, real quick here, get to a couple of crystal balls that dropped uh, the last week since we've been out of potting. It's uh, twenty four star 2025 running back Tory Blaylock, 510 175 at a at a Scotia. I think it's at a Scotia high school. Nope. 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 Atascacita. Yeah. Well, I think I think you just got the like the I and the S in wrong places there. No, so I this is the one from last week. The guy that I Mm -hmm. talked about attended junior day, Tori Blaylock. Uh 247 has him listed at 5'11, 190, and that's better for my purposes of talking this guy up. He's got speed you can't teach. It looks a little bit like uh, what Gavin Sawchuck had that freshman year where it's like, hey, I don't know if you're going to be everything, but I know you have this one thing. And you can see that even though Jeff Levy has left the offense, guys like that still really pique an interest for uh, head coach Brent Venables and whoever's running the offense, right? Seth Luttrell. Uh, Joe John Finley, Emma Jones, through whatever combination of things, they still want to get those guys. DeMarco Murray, sorry, Tory Blaylock. But yeah, so that's what I got on that guy. He's pretty good. I'm, I'm close, man. I'm close to dropping a ball. He's a Ooh. he's a legacy too. And oh, I just yeah. I I think he's gonna get there, but dude's got offers from Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, Georgia, uh, Nebraska, Ohio State, Oregon, Tennessee, Texas, all over the, the place. Pick of the litter. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, he could go to anywhere yeah. in the country, but yeah. uh, he wants to go to the place in the country. Matt, any thoughts? No thoughts. I have no idea who this guy is, but more <laughs> thanks for bringing to our attention. Um, hopefully it comes our way. Oh, sorry. I was talking like I was Patrick. That's who uh, I was filling in for. <laughs> no, that's great. no, Patrick would be like, I love the vibes. Like, this is great. Patrick's a big vibes guy. <laughs> He's a big massive, vibes guy. Massive vibes guy. You know who else has solid vibes? Four-star 2025 athlete CJ Nixon. 6'5", 216. This guy screams tight end to me. Uh, Weatherford High School out of Weatherford, Oklahoma. Gotta love it by an in-state guy. Uh, six Confidence level of 60 by Josh McQuistian of, uh on three. So... Again, to me, that's an in-state guy. That's a guy at a position of need like tight end. That'd be a lot of fun to see him. Maybe he can slim down, maybe play play a big part in a red zone wide receiver if you need him to, or put on weight to become a bigger body tight end. Love the flexibility with that guy for sure. Someone else go first this time. No, I mean, like, like we've talked about this the last four weeks, guys. I don't know these guys yet. I'm going to be honest with you. Like I know little, him. We're I know him just because he's in state. I know him yeah. just because he's in state. That, that's how early. I know him. I'm excited. I, I believe that they are recruiting him more as 
an edge rusher or a linebacker. That's that's yeah. the reason I'm asking. So four-star defensive end slash tight end, CJ Nixon. So there you yeah. go. Um, yeah. I imagine with his kind of athletic profile, 6'5", 220, he is the number one recruit in the state of Oklahoma. I think that Brent is going to want him on his side of the ball. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure. we're, we're also recruiting the hell out of the defensive line and did in 24 also. Mm-hmm. So if you end up with a surplus of goods on one side, maybe you see which of these uh, athlete recruits can slide over to the offensive side of the ball. One thing I want to point out just real fast, if we, if the Oklahoma Sooners do secure the commitment of uh, – CJ Nixon, Oklahoma will have secured the commitment of one, two, three, four, five, six of the top 10 and seven of the top 12 players in the state of Oklahoma. Great news. That is a lot. That doesn't include Tristan Haynes, who is likely to commit to the to the University of Oklahoma. It doesn't uh, include Nate Roberts, who I have an outstanding crystal ball for but who is trending heavily towards Ohio state in a way that scares me so much because oh no, the uh, first miss. Yeah, man. I don't know how I'll deal with it. I'm really, I'm really beat up about it, but uh, just, it really goes to show you more of that, that intentionality about recruiting the in-state prospects. Absolutely. Let us know down below in the comments. If you got any thoughts on these uh, two crystal balls that just dropped for Oklahoma, also, guys, uh, the last thing I kind of want to get to before we get to MVP, just kind of real quick, FanDuel got, uh, dropped some uh, over-unders on wins for SEC teams. Oklahoma set at six and a half. And you may be thinking, well, Mason, six and a half. Well, what are the other teams? Um, I'm glad you asked. New coached Alabama, nine and a half. Uh, they're at nine and a half. Ole Miss at nine and a half. LSU, nine and a half. Georgia at 10 and a half, uh, people higher than Oklahoma, Auburn at six and a half, um, University of Kentucky, six and a half, um, Tennessee at eight and a half, A&M at eight and a half. Those are the teams higher than Oklahoma. They didn't, they didn't drop Texas. So Mm. that's, and that's a team that's going to be higher. You can almost already guarantee it. So to me, six and a half seems low. Very and low. it like, and I'm not saying they're going to win double digit games or anything like that. I'm just saying feels a tad disrespectful. This is Oklahoma. This is a blue blood, blue blood program, a program that has won less has gone under 500, like once in the last 25, 26 years. I just think it's pretty crazy to, to be like, oh yeah, first year in the SEC, this team's gonna fall off a cliff. Like, I I just I don't understand. They're gonna start the season. I'm looking at the schedule. They're gonna start the season uh three and oh with a chance to go four and oh as Tennessee comes to Norman. And then you go at Auburn, a team who who the hell knows what Auburn's gonna look like. So that that's just that's just my thinking. I, I I know their schedule gets harder, you know, with Texas, but South Carolina, I think, is a win. Ole Miss, a toss-up. You're going to play a BS November game against Maine. At Missouri, I think, is a win. All due respect. Alabama game, who knows? Let's go ahead and call it a loss if you want. And at LSU, I'll give I'll give a toss-up as well. Probably LSU going to go into that game favored. 
I thought when I pulled up the schedule real fast that I would feel much more strongly about the over than I do. I do think, you know, if the number is over six and a half, you got to jump on that and get yourself to seven. But if you're building this out and let's just say you're, you're some dude, you're a big 10 fan, yeah. right? Uh, Oklahoma wins Temple, Houston, and Tulane, right? Let's say we go one and one between Tennessee and Auburn. Uh, that's one loss. Let's say you lose to Texas. That's two losses. Beat South Carolina, but Ole Miss is good and had the best transfer portal situation of anyone, right? Let's call that three losses. Maine, easy. But then if you lose to Missouri, you're not breaking six and a half wins. Suddenly, Missouri before that second bye week is a killer because if you do you absolutely have to win out between Alabama and LSU to get to seven wins. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're predicting two sec wins. Like that's what the line is. Can you get two wins or can you get three? Because it's kind of built in. I say built in built in four wins with the out of conference. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're basically saying out of the rest of the games that you have, we are, we are projecting two, which they're probably projecting South Carolina as one. And then what? Throw in Auburn, maybe Missouri, Tennessee comes to town, whereas we're going to Auburn. The only yeah. thing I can think there, and then everybody else that we play, they are projecting higher, which means they're projecting a win against OU. Right. I I think that's a little wild, personally. They just have two SEC wins the first year. I'm expecting a little bit more than that, or else I'm think this season is going to be incredibly disappointing. I'm not expecting probably a ten win season yeah but i'm not, I'm not either a wild ride week to week with Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yes you I'm are not. in a wild ride with me <laughs> I've, I've always been this though this has always been me i haven't changed no you're yeah you're <laughs> the same you're the same guy matt i want your thoughts yeah oh you or oh you fans and the football program always going to have high expectations to get double digit wins or bust really i mean that's just the the standard of excellence that OU football has on themselves. But this might be the year, just like it was, BV's first year where there's probably going to be more losses on the table with these quality opponents. I mean, this is the first time, right, that these quality opponents are back to back to back. I mean, the last, especially the last three weeks at Missouri, family coming in town, even with new head coach, and then finishing it at LSU and Death Valley. I mean, that's an absolute gauntlet. Right. I mean, that is no joke. You have to be on your game every single week. I mean, there's not a week off for that. And so I get where the line is at, especially with the uncertainty of is Jackson Arnold the guy. I mean, we obviously saw the tools and what he's capable of, but this is essentially a first year quarterback playing one of the toughest schedules in the, the whole nation. We're not even just talking about OU playing the SEC. We're talking about the entire nation. And so it's definitely going to be a, a proving ground for BV and company. Is that defense good enough to keep up with the big boys? And is Jackson Arnold the guy? I get why the line is so low, and I definitely could see potentially six losses on the calendar. I hope that's not the case. Hopefully we can overcome in the first year because that's only going to be big for OU moving forward in recruitment for this program, players staying around, and really buying in. This is what – this is kind of the, the turning point, the inflection point for the OU football program. If it does not go well this season, I think it's just a domino effect after this because this is what 
recruits and players signed up for is OU football program to compete and win these types of games year in and year out. This is really a prove it year, I think, for BV and company. I can agree. Anybody, anything else before we get to MVPs? Cool. Let's get to our MVPs of the week. Follow along with us down below in the comments. Name your MVP of the week. Mark, I'll start with you, man. Who's your MVP? Yeah, I'm going to go LVP, actually, and it's going to be the players on the Alabama roster, especially those on the offensive side of the football. This past week, offensive co- new offensive coordinator Ryan Grubbs, who was hired along with Kalen DeBoer from Washington, returned to Washington, accepting a job with the Seattle Seahawks to be their offensive coordinator instead. Now, he should go do that. This is when the musical chairs happens, right? This is when it happens. This happens to people all over all the time. Bill O'Brien just got a gig with the Boston College Eagles instead of staying with as OC mm-hmm. at Ohio State. Um, the thing with this one, though, is he leaves and announces his departure one day after Nick Saban's 30-day transfer portal window closes. Because it's been 30 days since Nick Saban's retirement, those kids don't now have the opportunity to leave because an assistant leaving doesn't enable you to. But they all signed up for this experience, assuming he would be there. And now there's just going to be some other dude. Mm -hmm. And if I am one of those players, if I'm, for example, five-star wide receiver Ryan Williams, who was counting on the tutelage of Ryan Grubb, who's created so many now uh, top-drafted receiver prospects, I'm a little upset. Yeah. I'm a little upset. So my LVP, those offensive players on the Alabama Crimson Tide football team. Yep. I I, I agree. Matt, who's your MVP, man? Is that going to be a person, place, or thing? Or is it just going to be a thing? And it's going to be a time paradox. Let me take you back four years ago to 2020. Oh, no. Here we go. Also leap year. We also know what happened. That year, it was a Trump versus Biden election. The Chiefs beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. And then one month later, the world was shut down by a pandemic. So what's going to happen this year? I think LVP is whatever shit's about to go down here in about 30 days. Like all of us. We are all LVPs. (laughs) Like the impending pandemic. Yeah. Matt's like virus X. Get ready. (laughs) It is eerie. It is the, the, infer- the impending doom in uh, 30, 30 days. My LVP time itself. God, God. Uh, All right, Ryan, who's your MVP? Save us from ourselves. Uh, no, I'm just I'm going to be boring and um, give it to Patrick Mahomes, who is literally the greatest player. I mean, Tom Brady's right there too, but like, just, just the most incredible athlete I've ever seen play football. Just mm. unbelievable, and. He deserves MVP, especially after this performance and especially after that overtime drive. My MVP is testosterone, and I'm going to tell you why. Hmm. Everyone saw what happened with Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid on the sideline after the turnover. Uh, Yes. People were very upset that Travis Kelsey would get in the face of his head coach like that and borderline knock an old man over. Let's call let's call it what it is. Andy Reid's an old man, scary to knock him over. If you and I'm look, I didn't play in the NFL. I didn't play high level sports. I played high school sports. 
But as a guy who is passionate and a guy who knows what it's like on those sidelines, especially for me as a journalist covering, covering college football as closely as I did, that's what happens. Like, and after the game, you saw Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey hugging and celebrating together and partying together because stuff like that doesn't matter. That's Travis Kelsey telling his head coach, do not take me off the field ever again in a situation like this because Travis Kelsey cares because he wants to be on the field because he cares that much about his coach. He cares that much about Patrick Mahomes. He cares that much about his team. When he was up there getting the trophy and Jim and Jim Nance was talking to him, you didn't hear him talk about Taylor Swift. You didn't hear about he He pointed at all of his guys. He said, I love these guys. These are my brothers right here because that's how much he cared about being in that moment. He wanted to be on the field. He was pissed off that he was taken out and something bad happened. Now, could you have handled it a better way? Sure, you always can. But when you're in the heat of battle, in the moment, in the biggest game of your life, I don't really know what you want him to do. So that's my Travis Kelsey apologist monologue. No, I love. Right. I thought it was. I it, I thought it was going to start with my thing is testosterone. People were mad that he yelled at his coach. Guess who went home with Taylor Swift that night? That's like, fair I as well. You were just gonna just fair as well, dude. All also they love making out, like just PDA. they're still in that honeymoon phase. Bro. They are. They are. They are. The shit hasn't I mean, hit the fan yet. It will. It I always saw, does. That's true. I saw one and it was like, like wow, Travis. Look at all this like planning I've done for our elaborate honeymoon that we're gonna have, and it's like Travis Kelsey looking up from his kibble. You're literally so smart. <laughs> so good. Oh my dude. god, I I, so good, I don't know, man. I respect everything you just said, Mason, but I also to um steal one of Mark's phrases from last night. I kind of got the ick from Fair. Travis a little bit. Yes, Fair. the entire night. Well, I was the just like mm. to me when he did the the mm. screaming thing. Yeah, it was just that not, was a lot. Was not, yeah, was that was that was a lot. And that's yeah, not what like... you're talking about, Mason. Correct. But... Yes. Yes. Meanwhile, but... his brother is a national treasure and should be okay. um Dude. should be celebrated at Dude, all times. Him amazing... and the, the the lucha libre Dude. mask that yes. he's wearing while being next to Marshmallow is There's an the amazing, most incredible thing I've seen. Amazing pan <laughs> that's Travis, Kelsey, and Taylor Swift behind that stage, like holding each other, like kissing each other, dancing, and it's love story. And then he pans, and it's just Jason Kelsey and his (laughs) mask like some marshmallow. (laughs) His wife is like just somewhere, like with the kids, just like that that was gonna be my thing. Where's Kylie during this? She's just she doesn't. You she know, doesn't want to be for that. Doesn't want to be there. I don't know. Back to the hotel. Or yeah. Something. It's like yeah. he's facing Kelsey. Nothing's going to happen. She's like, dude, I'm 35 and I have two kids. I'm not doing this. Yeah, <laughs> dude. My brother didn't win the freaking Super Bowl tonight. Yeah. Dude, no kidding. And with that, that's going to do it. Episode 108 is in the books. We appreciate you guys tuning in for this week. We'll be back with you next week. 109. Did I say it 109? Okay. Did I say 108? I say I say it's 109 okay. now. 109, 109 for 109. the people. <laughs> uh, be sure to like, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on all of our social media at Program Guys with a Z. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. We'll be back for a show with you next week, Sans Ryan, but probably with Pat again. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll find out. But that's going to do it. We'll see you next week.
Uh, Matt, take us out. Keep pushing it, baby. There's not one guy, one person in the history of this program that's bigger than the program. What's better than this? Guys being dudes.